cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. What's up, y'all? Joe Patrick here. Five Stripe Final, Dirty South Soccer. Uh, I just want to give you guys a quick rundown of this press conference slash conference call that media members had with Frank DeBoer and Carlos Bocanegra today. Um, did a quick call, call out for your questions and got a fair bit of responses, so I'm not going to really elaborate a ton because I want to get to those questions. Um, but I just do want to kind of run down some bullet points um, first thing that really kind of caught my ear in the call was Carlos Bocanegra talking about Julian Gressel and Leandro Gonzalez-Pirez. Both those players obviously had their contracts, had their options extended uh, by the club today when they made their list of announcements. The the notable announcements there, by the way, to me were Justin Miram and Florentine Pogba, which was a surprise for me. Both of those guys um, getting, I don't know if you released or whatever, they, their options were not exercised. So they go off into their various, um, whatever happens to them in the, in the, uh, MLS pipeline. I think Justin Miram is old enough where he goes into just a general free agency like we would normally be accustomed to Florentine Pogba I think the process will be a little different for him he will go into some re-entry drafts if his contract isn't picked up off of waivers and that kind of thing so um I think Atlanta might be in I I, I think if they wanted if they really wanted Pogba on the team uh, they would have just taken they would have just re-upped him so I don't expect them to go back in for them for him Miram is a different story I do think there's a chance that Atlanta could just renegotiate a contract with him the, the contract he was on was um just incredibly inflated based off it was kind of structured around the the deal that he signed when he had made these big moves via tam trading from team to team uh, especially when he moved to orlando so his contract was way out of whack and he it, that that contract was never going to be that option was never going to be exercised but i think that the club would still have interest in having some negotiations with him but um the the first main point to me that the, the first big thing was leandro gonzalez perez <laughs> uh i don't know if he has understood his contract correctly because carlos bocanegra corrected um one of the things that's been flying around one of you know these these reports which i know have come from Leandro Gonzalez-Pirez himself so the reports have been you know totally fine but uh, the reports were that this was you know he was going into his option year which of course you know he was going into an option because the club did extend him today but Carlos Bocanegra said there are more options uh, more option years was the quote from him so I don't know I would I would guess that it's one they have one more option year after this one but uh good news I think you know for fans and and the club especially I mean the club would have known known what the deal was the entire time but always good to have another you know a player like him locked down you you know you have another year of control with him so you're not as panicky or in a, a situation where you really need to act like we kind of thought we the, the club would need to do going into the season um I kind of figured they would have either had to with one going into his last year they need to either renegotiate his deal and get him on a brand new contract or sell him unless you would want to just run his contract down and he leaves for free um those were the only two options but he has an extra year or so it's kind of out the window and they can basically <laughs> do all that next year if they want they could still try to get him on a new deal but you know with the way MLS works that just so rarely happens less so less often than you would see that kind of thing happen in Europe or in in other leagues um 
Uh, Bocanegra also talked about Julian Gressel, and I thought he was just very, very strong on Gressel. Uh, the quote here is, he's been a vital part of our success. He's a priority for us, which I, I just tweeted out tonight, but it's something that Julian Gressel said after the season. He said he wanted to be a priority in Atlanta, and something along the lines of, you know, if they didn't want to prioritize him, he would go somewhere else where he want, where someone else would make him a priority. So I thought that was an interesting wording from Bocanegra. Um, and he said, again, given the, the, the uncertainty with what's happening with the CBA, we're not in in limbo but in a holding pattern i had conversation with his agent recently i think the understanding is there julian is a big part uh is a big part for us and we want to try to get something done so um yeah i i think that's that's about what i expected uh, which is that you know he's always been in the plans and i know that gressel has been upset that you know this stuff takes a while but i think i said after the season there's there's an order to operations for this stuff and things have to happen first before other things can happen later, and it just so happens that Gressel getting his deal redone is just something that's going to have to happen after some of these other things take place, uh, particularly the renegotiation of the CBA and that all that information becoming public and, and the club kind of knowing the the parameters with, with which they're bound to. That was something that Carlos talked about quite a bit today was just the the uncertainty surrounding the CBA and how that's really kind of making the decisions a lot more difficult and more uncertain for them. You know, like they don't know exactly what the what the salary cap is going to be. They don't know that number. They don't know what the rules are going to be in terms of, you know, how many uh, senior roster slots and how many, you know, homegrown and generation Ds, all that stuff. You know, there could be new rules for all that stuff. So those things are unknown. It makes it a little more difficult. And I think what you saw with Atlanta United and teams all around MLS is teams being a little cautious and not wanting to have too many too much money booked up on their roster. I think they wanted to kind of keep their budgets as open as they can so that they can react based on the way that the CBA comes out. So it's going to be very interesting because I think there are going to be tons of teams in MLS, if not almost every team, that's going to have quite a bit of money. And there's quite a bit of good quality players that have been let go by some of these teams. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how it all shakes out. And it's going to be, it's going to happen so fast, y'all. Like when, when this negotiation gets settled, you know, teams are going to about to be starting, um, uh, preseason, especially teams like Atlanta United who are in CONCACAF Champions League. So uh, it's going to be really fascinating to kind of see how all of that shakes out. Um, and as far as the players go, you know, th- there wasn't really a whole lot else uh, that I can think of that was really notable. I, you know, he was asked about players. I kind of, I followed up with Carlos after he kind of didn't answer a question that uh, Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic posed to him about kind of what positions he wanted to strengthen. I tried to ask again. He was like, yeah, I already told you uh, not saying. (laughs) Uh, He said he wasn't going to give away the playbook or something like that. But um, I think it's kind of obvious this team needs a left back. This team needs a backup striker. Um, You know, we, we can look around. That's a whole different discussion to have in terms of kind of looking at the roster and determining kind of what players they're going to be going for, what, what positions they will need filling. But, um, you know, that's something that the club is definitely pressing on, and I'm sure they already have targets in mind and kind of players already on a short list that they're looking to sign up. Um, and I, I mentioned CCL. Speaking of CCL, 
Um, Carlos did also kind of, <laughs> he admitted that the, uh, the team is going on a trip to Guadalajara this preseason. He didn't specify that it was a training camp, so I don't know. I'm sure they'll be doing some training there. I don't know if it will be like a full on like week long thing like they did in California last year. It might be, it might not be, but he, he just said it was a trip that the team was going to take to go down there just to kind of get themselves prepped for what it's like, you know, to go down to CONCACAF Champions League. But, um, I asked him what kind of, what specifically is going to help them next year based on what they learned this year. And, you know, the, it, it's kind of funny because I was kind of thinking more along the lines of logistics, like, you know, when they get flights in and out and where they train and the kinds of things they eat when they're there, you know, all that kind of stuff. And really, it's so much more fundamental than that. It's just the it's just the it's just the experience of going and playing in some of these stadiums and just going and being in these environments and experiencing it. And I think that that's one of the reasons why they want to take this trip to Guadalajara is to just kind of immerse themselves in that culture a little bit in the, in that culture that they're going to have to go down and play very well in. I mean, I, they know that they're going to need to perform better, even though they, they performed admirably last year, they were suffering, really suffering from injuries when they went to go play Monterey on the road. And they really were close to coming back home with a decent result there. They just gave up a couple late goals. That was unfortunate. Um, but they were really struggling with injuries. Julian Gressel didn't play in that game. And so, um, you can really kind of start to see in your mind the the building blocks coming together for them to possibly you know put a put a run together, and I think that you know they'll uh, Frank something Frank DeBoer mentioned was he wants this squad built and constructed as early as possible so that he can kind of know um, what kind of team he has to work with and get them on the training ground you know and starting to get those those training sessions uh, underway as as soon as possible. Uh, and he and Frank DeBoer also just mentioned the fact that it'll be easier because he knows the kinds of qualities that he has in his players. You know, he kind of, I don't know if he said it explicitly, but he kind of alluded to the fact that when he was going down there to play CONCACAF Champions League with the team last year, he didn't really kind of know much about his team. He'd been training with them for six weeks or a month or something. Like, that's not enough time to kind of know what to expect what know what you can expect from players and for them to understand what you're asking from them um so for those reasons i think the team will do a lot better um and that was definitely a, a big talking point from today uh other than that yeah i mean there's not a whole lot i'm just gonna go straight in, into your questions i kind of covered the main talking points there was some other chatter and i'm sure we'll hear some of that coming out from uh from the other journalists that were on the call so let me get to the questions i'm just running them down from the top here from my mentions uh so let's see elijah newsome elijah good to hear from you he says do you think atl will be looking to europe south america or MLS for replacements for all the guys we let go of today. Also, are we likely to see United resign some of these guys like Miram or Flo Pogba on more club-friendly deals? Um, second part of that, I think I already answered. I think that there's a chance that they could be going back in for Miram uh, on a better deal. Again, with Pogba, it's harder for me to see because I would have just thought that you know they just signed him to the deal last year. So um, I would have thought that they really, if they really wanted them, they would have just kept him it would have been because they, they don't really have as much control of him he's not a free agent they can just you know do a new new deal um like they might do with Miram, or it sounds like what they're going to do with, with jeff lorenowitz um uh let's see do you think atl will be looking to europe i, I think they'll shop in all these markets you know there's been a big talking point since the offseason especially with frank DeBoer, you know being in a change from tata martino 
you know, obviously when Tata was the coach, the team was really, you know, diving into those South American talented, um, those players down in, in the Argentine Superliga. I think that the club will continue to do that. Um, I, I might reshare. There's a Guardian article that got wrote the week written uh, the week before MLS Cup, and it was a really good piece about uh, Argentine players coming to play in MLS. And it's kind of a sad story because it's all about kind of how the economy is a wreck down there. And players are seeing MLS as, you know, what, it, what what we've always kind of pitched it as in our brains, which is, you know, the stepping stone league or the, you know, the 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 fishbowl, if you, if you want to call it, the, the, the shop window kind of league to vault players to Europe. But also it's just a reliable league in terms of having facilities for the players to train in and getting their checks paid on time. I mean, that was the thing in this Guardian article was a lot of these players aren't getting paid when they're supposed to. And, you know, that's something that creates a ton of uncertainty for a player who's has a family, you know, all these things. It's obviously getting paid is a very important part of the job. And if that's not happening reliably, you know, that will happen reliably in a place like MLS. And uh, so for those reasons, I think Atlanta United will continue to look in those markets for players. I think they'll look in Europe too. I think that they'll probably look, you know, I'm sure Frank DeBoer will have some preferences from the Dutch league and, when this offseason started and I kind of started brainstorming players, it was it was hard to think of anyone who would want to come from Europe to MLS uh, because they're already in such close proximity to the highest levels of the sport. But the more I thought about it, the more some names came up. And so I might be putting together another uh, little football manager scouting guide for some players in Europe. So uh, keep an eye out for that one. There's a little tease. Um, Alex at Cuppers says, did they indicate bringing back anyone who was let go? Okay, so we already kind of got to that today. I, I don't really get the impression that many of these players will be coming back. Maybe Miram. Other than that, you know, they're just moving on from guys. It happens. And uh, it reminds me of, uh, again, something that Frank, uh, I'm sorry, that uh, Carlos Bocanegra said on the call, which is that, you know, you got to freshen up the squad and take it from me, everybody. I'm a Tottenham fan, and this has been kind of the, <laughs> the, the core crux of what's happened with this whole Mauricio Pochettino firing. Um, Tottenham did not refresh their squad over the course of, you know, two or three seasons. They did not do enough turning over of players, and it really created bad vibes in the team and players can only listen to a coach for so long before things tune out so you just kind of need to continually be cycling players in and out of clubs and it's hard for fans because you know you, you you develop bonds with some of these players and um, that always makes it tough and this I think this this offseason is going to be especially painful because I think that you know it's this squad has not had a ton of turnover um, even though we've had some big sales along the likes of Miguel Amaron and even a guy like Carlos Carmona going back to 2018 season uh, preseason, um, there hasn't been a ton of turnover with this team. So I think we'll probably be expecting more. Uh, despite the fact that we already saw some today, I think there will be more guys. Um, and I think there are some questions about that. So let's keep going. Rich Johnston uh, at R Johnston Four says, "Were today's moves, especially Mike B- Mikey Pogba and Miram, driven by salary cap issues, roster spot issues, or a desire to upgrade at those depth positions?" Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, a little bit of both. I think that, you know, what I said earlier when I was kind of quoting Carlos, I think the team is just going to be very careful or they were very careful about not wanting to add on too much salary. I think they want, that was kind of the main priority. It seems like to me was for this team to have as much clear space as possible for them to kind of, you know, 
not handcuff themselves. Like Carlos said, you you don't want to get into a situation where you don't have room to adjust. And that's something that Atlanta United, since their beginning, has been really, really, really um, good about is having that flexibility. You know, they were able to bring in a guy like Darlington Nagby, and it helped that there was a TAM injection uh, that that season. But this team has always seemed to be able to have that financial flexibility. Whether it was bringing in also Justin Miram last season, they've they've been able to make those moves, and I think that they'll uh, they'll stay that way. So I mean, I think I think that you know they'll bring in new players to replace some of these guys that they left, and and it's up to Frank DeBoer to integrate those guys. But um, something that Carlos said today that struck me was that the players that they want to bring in, their goal when they're bringing in new players is to really bring in competition for the first team. Like it was something he repeated several times. They don't want to just bring in guys for backups. I mean, I'm sure there will be players like that who come in who are, you know, probably not because the way that MLS is structured, you have to have kind of lower salary, lower quality guys, um, but generally speaking, they want to bring in guys that can compete with those first team players. And that's how you kind of help, um, create a really good vibe in the, in the team by having that kind of competition. And that's something that the, that the team will be wanting to do for all the players, uh, that they, that they go on to sign from here. Brandon Felder, uh, Brandon underscore Felder says, do you think the trades are done or is there a possibility for more, i.e. Vigialba? Vialba. Um, yeah, I, I do think that there will still be quite a bit of wheeling and dealing on this team. Um, again, Carlos was very, um, kept his cards, cards close to the chest, but except for one, <laughs> Pitti Martinez, he said, uh, he said yes. The question was, will Pitti Martinez play for Atlanta United in 2020? The answer was yes. It was one word. So I will take Carlos Bocanegra at his one word and say that Pitti Martinez is a guy you will definitely see playing for Atlanta United next year. Um, despite what I initially thought, and I still think there's a chance. Like Again, it's not that I necessarily want him to leave or anything, but there's always a chance that this stuff can happen. Um Happened with Carlos Carmona, you know, like he's he's the classic example of a guy that you didn't really think was going to leave until one day he was like, "I need to leave, I need to get out of here, having a kid, etc." Um, and they got that deal done. So it's always possible, but it sounds like Pitti will be staying. Um, he did indicate that the, that there had been interest in players on the team. He wouldn't specify exactly who, but you know, I think we can always we know. Teams are going to be interested in Joseph. Teams are going to be interested in Ezekiel Barco, especially with the U- U-20 World Cup that he had this this past summer. Um, and it did sound like he was a little... He wasn't as kind of firm on Barco returning next season as he was on Pitti. He, I mean, he said he's planning on it, and yes, and kind of that kind of answer, but it was a little bit softer than the declarative yes that he gave for Pitti Martinez. So... Um, I think there's probably a chance you you could see Barco go if the new CBA doesn't allow for more DPs. I think that Barco would be the one um, that could get sold if if that situation arises. But uh, uh, and to speak to uh, Vialba, uh, I I do not see him uh, being on the team next year. I just think that you know again he's been here for four years. Um, it's amazing how long his contract is. By the way, he was signed in. Uh, 2016. I said four years. That that goes back to the year he was on contract before he even was playing for Atlanta. He was just Atlanta signed him, and he went immediately on loan to uh, to Tijuana. 
So uh, he's been here for a long time, and I think that he could use a move. It's just a tough one for Villalba because it's tough to find a landing spot for him. Um, maybe a Mexican team might might be interested in him. It's hard to see him going back to Argentina. I know that's where the what the rumors have been, but like I was talking about earlier, those teams just don't have money. Like they can't even. They like San Lorenzo. I'm sure would love to have Tito Villalba back, but um, you know I don't think they have the money to spend to to be able to purchase him. So we'll see what happens there. Atlanta's in no kind of has no obligation to sell, but I think that. He's a player that they, they they might move on from. It's worth noting that he was really kind of coming on um, in the middle of the season. I think that one of the narratives with him was that he was just not a Frank DeBoer player and that, um, you know, he was, it just didn't fit. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I definitely think that was the case after he suffered the injury uh, in New Jersey against the Red Bulls. He just never was the same guy after that. Um, and it's really tough for, for Tito. He's been really suffered, been hit by the injury bug these last couple of years. Um, but I think it could work with Frank, but I just think it's one of those things where he's such a talented player and there's not really a, a, a clear spot for him in the starting 11. And in that case, you might want to try to open up some money to, to get a guy that fits the parameters of the money and, and their role in the squad a little bit better. And maybe, you know, if there's some technical qualities that Frank would prefer, um, maybe you can get a better fit there. Uh, Michael Jett, Michael Ryan Jett says, one of these days when you do, uh, <laughs> this is, has nothing to do with, uh, with the team. So we'll move on, but thank you, Michael, for those words. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do like a little podcast webinar or something. I don't know. I'm, I, I don't consider myself a professional at this at all. I just started doing it. So, uh, I would encourage anyone to pick up a microphone and start podcasting away or blogging away. Um, yeah, love that spirit. Pierce, uh, at cursive underscore kid, says, if Tito stays, do you think he's the backup striker next season, uh, or do you think we'll sign another? I think this is a really interesting question, um, particular, as, as it pertains to the backup striker role, because I could see the, the club going a couple ways. I could see them, you know, obviously they lost their, their backup striker and Brandon, Brandon Vazquez in the expansion draft. So one of the, you know, obvious solutions to fixing that is go out and get another brand of Vasquez. And, you know, when I say that, I mean, just go out and spend, you know, uh, go get a guy that's on 200K, 200 to 300K and get your kind of young middling striker that can play behind Joseph. Um I think a more interesting move, and I, I don't know if it's the smarter move, but it's something I would think would, would be interesting um, because it would create for some some selection drama and some, uh, I don't know, just be intriguing, would be for them to go out and really spend big on another center forward. Um, it would give the team an ability to really play with two strikers, which is something that they had done more last season, but honestly, they didn't, they didn't really have another striker, so they were playing a lot with just like, Joseph and Pitti up front, or even at times when Joseph was injured, it was like Pitti and Barco playing up front together um, in like kind of different type of striker roles, but they were clearly the, t- the two forwards. I think it would be interesting if they got a guy, another forward that was kind of a different profile. The, the reason I don't um, love Tito as a center forward uh, is because, first of all, it's just not his natural position. I don't think it really suits his his skills the best. I mean, he's fast and he can get him behind, but you know, his natural, you know, just his, his, his natural instincts are not, you know, to be able to do the, this, the, 
the small things that a really good striker is able to do, like reading when the ball is going to come in and kind of timing that run and bending a run. That's something that Joseph has gotten really, really good at over the last couple of years as he's kind of learned the role of playing as a center forward, which is something that he didn't really do until he came to Atlanta United. Um, I think that that's something that Tito lacks. So I think it would be really interesting if they went out and bought big and uh, maybe get a could even go out for like a big kind of target man type kind of guy. I know that, you know, when you look at the European game and especially in the in the Dutch league, you don't see a lot of like small speedy strikers. You see a lot of bigger guys and I think one of the reason you see that is you can use the striker as kind of a, a focal point and you can use them not necessarily as a scorer but as like a you know you could call it a false nine but it's ten, just like a, a, a striker that's more of a support role type of player where he's going to be holding the ball up and trying to then dish it off to to other guys and that's where you would want him playing with another striker like Joseph um, and I also think it's just very important that they get Joseph breaks this season you know he he played so much last season and he was playing through injuries as well. And I think that we obviously saw the effects of that. You know, they couldn't have been more striking than what we saw in that last game against Toronto where he was basically playing on one leg and he, and he played like he was playing on one leg. It was, it was quite clear that he was not up to his normal standard. So I think it'll be really um, important for this team to get a player that can play in that position that can maybe give Joseph some games off when he needs and also just be a guy that if Joseph isn't available, then, you know, he can go in and, and do a job and you're not downgrading as much. And that's one of the reasons Joseph played so often last season was you felt like he had to be on the field. And if he wasn't on the field, you were losing so much. So I think it would be interesting or just I, I think that it could really do this team a lot of good if they had a striker um, that was more up to his level. Uh, Ricky Ricardo also asked, uh, do I think it's likely Miram is back? I don't. So I, I've talked a lot about the team could go back for him. Um, I do not think it's likely. I would put the chances at less, less than 50 50. Um, although, you know, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. It's just all going to come down to that contract. I do think that the the thing going in the club's favor or in the or in the favor of you know Miram returning to the clubs that I think that just he loves it here I think that he loves playing in front of the, in the stadium in front of all of you guys um, I think he loves the training facilities I think he loves you know some of his teammates here and he, you know he's just had some of his more enjoyable professional years as a soccer player here in Atlanta especially in the last handful of years so um, I think that when we talk about home team hometown discounts and sports I don't think you see them as much as as you as you think but I think it's a real thing in soccer especially well in MLS especially because it's so drastic playing you know the difference between playing for Atlanta United or the Colorado Rapids or the Columbus crew or, you know, just like any of these kind of teams that don't have the kind of modern infrastructure that Atlanta United does. Obviously, you know, for someone like Darlene Janagby, the crew will have a poll and, you know, you'll always have kind of nostalgic reasons for going one place or another. But I really think Atlanta is set up so well in this league to be able to attract players and be, to be able to bring in players on a, on a lesser number than other teams would be able to do because of, you know, what they have in place with the training ground. All right, last question here is from uh, Mark Washington. Uh, he says, to me, the biggest loss today was Pogba. Am I overrating him? 
No, you know, I, I agree with you. I, that was the one I was most surprised to see, that name. Um, I thought he performed well. I thought Frank DeBoer liked what he brought. You know, I think that I thought I honestly thought that he was kind of the style of center back that Frank DeBoer liked, which was a guy that could just win duels. You know, didn't, didn't really do anything too special, didn't do anything too crazy. Um, just won duels. I mean, yeah, occasionally he would, he would go wild with the ball, but he was pretty solid at the back. I, I think the... If I had to guess, uh, and we didn't get any clarification on this on the call, but I have to think that his injury history was a factor here. I think that if he could have proven himself to be a little bit more durable and just able to play more games, then he definitely would have been a guy that they would have wanted to re-up. But, you know, it's something that Carlos Bocanegra has talked about for years when it comes to building this club, is getting guys that are durable, who can play in this league. It's it's a difficult league to play in because of we all know the travel, but it's also super hot and humid in a lot of places. Um, thankfully, it's not like that in Atlanta, which it would be if we weren't playing in a dome. But, um, you know, it can be a difficult place. To, there are lots of tough places to play in this league, and especially for you know, a player who's had trouble maintaining his fitness throughout his career, like Pogba, um, I just think that he presents a risk. On if, if you're relying on him to play a, a decently major role in your squad, it's a risk because you don't know exactly when he's ever going to be healthy. Um, when he is healthy, he's he's very good, and I think that you know, I I think other teams will surely be interested in him to be perfectly honest i thought that the club would be interested in bringing him back just for the uh, influencer marketing aspect of uh, his value you know he had paul pogba on in an atlanta united kit on his instagram this summer and i thought that that may have gotten earned flow a uh, a lifetime contract i i joke i joke uh, i kind of feel bad talking to him it was occasionally we've asked him about his brother, and it's just weird because you want to treat him as his own, his own individual, his own person. But um, yeah, I think that for for that reason, I think a lot of teams will be interested in bringing Flo in. So I don't think he'll be short of suitors in MLS. But um, there was an uh, we posted a story saying that he was uh, there was a club in Spain. I forget which which team it was that was interested in bringing him back, and um. I guess his family lives in Madrid or could be living in Madrid soon with Paul Pogba possibly on the move to Real Madrid. So, um, yeah, that that's that could be another option for, for Pogba. I'm not sure how the contract situation works with MLS owning his contract and him having an option, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think he'll be short of suitors. Um, so, anyway, that's all of the questions I have, and my voice is now. I need to get something to drink. I've been talking for a while. But, um yeah, um, the moves are going to keep happening, y'all. Um, especially the signings will really start to happen again. I don't; it might not be necessarily soon, but when they start, I think they're going to start en masse because I think that once they start, I think that that kind of signals that the clubs know what kinds of contracts they want to sign players to, and they have an idea of of what is a good deal and what is not, essentially. And I, that's what they don't know right now, and that's what they're kind of they're waiting on, but they have to, they have to be able to be able to proportion out how much of the overall budget certain players are taking up and what kind of role that those players will have in the team. So that's kind of the math that will need to be done by the clubs, not just Atlanta, but clubs across the, across the league. And I think that once these signings start to happen, they're going to be, it's going to happen, come thick and fast. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, but until then, uh, we'll, we'll get more podcasts out with more of these updates on the, on the transfer window. 
uh, throughout the offseason. So uh, until then, subscribe to the podcast, give us five stars on iTunes, and uh, keep going to Dirty South Soccer like you always do. So I appreciate everything, guys, and we'll talk to you later.